What's up, everybody? Tommy Brandon here. Welcome to the Wide in the Middle, your home for all things racing with me and, of course, my man, Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? What is up? Oh, not much, man. Just, uh, whew, trying to stay awake. Rough night last night. Long night last night. I'm running on, like, four and a half hours of sleep. And the bad thing is, is my day is just, just beginning. It's just getting started. I've got, oh, yeah gonna be a long time before i uh probably get to go back to bed so it's gonna be one of those days but other than that doing pretty well how about yourself man i've been off work for the past eight days it feels like and i'm not prepared to go back to work sunday yeah i must want another eight days <laughs> yeah it's it's rough to, when you when you're off like that um my so my dad, he, you know, I'm 40. He's getting up there in age now. He's like 67. You know, he's pretty, he's, he's very close to retirement. The reason he doesn't retire is because my mom, who's 60, um, she doesn't qualify for any of the insurance, right? Like Medicare or anything like that because she's not old enough. And if my dad were to retire and they lose their insurance, like their medical benefits, the amount of money it costs to put my mom on benefits, like through the state, through like the exchange or whatever it's called, the marketplace, it's insane. Like, the, you know, they'd have to go back to work just to afford it. So my dad is still working. Well, the job that he has is. He does um, tomatoes. He's a mechanic at a tomato canning plant, uh, Pacific Coast Producers. And every year they have the season. Now, for those of you who, if you've never worked in like farming before or any type of seasonal job, most people who talk down on it's actually kind of funny because out here in California a couple years ago, we had a shortage of migrant workers. I can't remember what the reason was, but we had a shortage of migrant workers. And you had all these people who thought that they were going to go out and like pick peaches and walnuts and do all this stuff. And they were going to make extra money, right? Like they were, they thought it was going to be like incredible. They're like, oh my God, I'm going to go out. I'm going to, I'm going to work an extra, you know, 10, 12 hours and, and make all this extra money and like the 95% of them. And it was huge. It was a, it was a big, big number of them couldn't cut it. They could not hack it because most people don't realize how hard that work is. Right. Like, you know, when I was doing pistachio harvests and stuff like that, when you have to harvest that stuff, it's, that's what you're doing. They're, 14, 15 hour days. It's every single day. There is no day off. You do it until it's done. And that's how tomatoes are. And my dad, for his season, they do 12 hour days, seven days a week, no days off. And they run like, you know, it's like a hundred, a hundred straight days or something like that. It's, it's crazy. They go from like, they're getting ready to start the season right now. Um, it'll be end of, end of this month, beginning of next month. And they'll go from like July, the first week of July to October without a day off. Well, after so many years, you get this, they, the workers get this thing that they call sabbatical, which is like this big chunk of vacation that you can take, you know, whenever you want. And it's like, you know, after you've been there so many years, you get like, it's like 12 weeks. It's an insane amount of time off that you can get right for the, this sabbatical. And so my dad took a couple of weeks off not long ago. And I remember when I was visiting my mom and my dad, he was talking about having to go back to work and how hard it was. <laughs> Cause after, you know, after you're off for a little while going back, it's not simple. Like it, it sucks. You're like, Oh my God, I forgot how hard this is like once you're out of that routine it doesn't matter what you do right it does not matter what your job is once you're out of your routine it's so hard to get back in so hard so that is I a feel, fact i feel your pain man i feel your pain because yeah it's tough dude it's really tough yeah not only that it, the, the damn sleep schedule 
Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I just, my sleep schedule is so jacked up. Even when I'm like off, like technically not working, I, my sleep schedule is still horrible. I, I mean, yeah, it's just, I'm just one of those, you know, I, I'm to the point now I've been doing this for so long now. I, I don't even, I don't even really know how to relax anymore. It's so sad to say, but like when I'm with my family, like if we're going to like actually like take a day or something like that, like I have to force myself, like really force myself to just relax, to like sit down and relax. Like we have a cabin up in the hills and it's an old school cabin. There's no running water. There's no electricity. There's no, you know what I mean? Like there's an outhouse that you have to use to go to the bathroom. Like it's, it is off the grid. And that place pretty much is like the one place that like I can go and just relax because there's nothing else to do. There's there's nothing to do. There's nothing else to do, but, but relax. Usually I try to find stuff to work on around the cabin because usually stuff needs to be fixed and things like that. But for the most part, like it's just forcing myself to relax because I'm just, I'm so used to always going and it sucks. It yeah, it's terrible. It is. It is. It's a terrible horrible. problem. To have. It is. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. So, but anyways, bunch of stuff to cover. Um, had quite a bit of racing this last weekend. Indiana Midget Week wrapped up. Unfortunately, we didn't get a race at Kokomo because it got rained out. Shocker. Um, NASCAR Cup race at Sonoma. Uh, speaking of relaxing and going to sleep, you could have used that race. And it probably would have worked really, really well for you. Outlaws were at Knoxville. Um, gotta talk about that late model dream wrapped up. So bunch of racing stuff to cover here. And we are going to hop straight into it. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to talk about on the open. So guess what? We're not gonna talk about it. We're gonna hop right into the hit or miss portion of the show because we got a few things there to cover. So Keith, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, because there's some big news that came out in the NASCAR world, and uh, it's pretty interesting um, because, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's been a, been a topic of debate ever since Legacy decided to go with Toyota in 2024. And so there was an announcement by the president, and it's basically saying that Jimmy Johnson will race a Toyota in 2024. So Keith, it is a good thing that Jimmy Johnson will race a Toyota in 2024. Hit or miss the mark? Uh, I mean, I guess it hits the mark. I mean, he's going to be a Toyota owner. And I think Toyota will use that to their advantage of having the seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion behind the wheel of one of their Toyota Camrys and kind of rub it in the the noses of the uh, Chevy family. Um, if anything, if if anything, I think it's going to be a slap in the face to the Chevy Corporation, but it's kind of their fault. They dropped the ball in this whole situation, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. Uh, you know, don't talk about you know jimmy johnson's loyalty to chevy when they're not showing the same to jimmy johnson right like that's all there is to it and this whole key partner stuff that i that you know we keep hearing about and people keep talking about right oh well you you got to be a key partner to get that data well then you know what if chevy is going to play that game or toyota is going to play that game or ford right where they're like hey these are our quote-unquote key partners they're going to get the better data they're going to get the better sim they're going to get the better then you know what kiss my ass don't be mad when i go to another manufacturer right like that's all there is to it so we can discuss all day long whether or not legacy should have been a key partner right but they weren't and they made the move to toyota they're obviously going to get a whole lot more resources because toyota just doesn't have the, the volume of cars that chevy does and Jimmy Johnson's going, right? So hats off to him. I think it's a good move. And uh, yeah, he should be driving. You know, he wants to keep driving. I mean, go for it. Drive away, dude. And I think with all this manufacturer T 
teammates help at super speedway races, quote unquote, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. I know Toyota's licking their chops, looking at that, like we'll have two, maybe three cars to work with, depending if Jimmy's running or not. Yep. And I think overall it's going to help that legacy team just because I think Toyota's going to treat them better. They're going to give them more of what they need. Um, Toyota treats their teams as a family mm-hmm. to whereas if Chevy, if you're at the bottom of the pecking order, you don't get nothing. I mean, we've heard Corey LaJoy talk about his experience from Spire to Hendrick. Yeah. Yep. And it's just, it blows my mind that you have to be a key partner to get the key things to help your team go fast. It shouldn't, and it shouldn't be that way. I no. know, I know I'm speaking out of my, my mind here, but the way I think it should work is if, if, if you're team Chevy guy, you should get the same thing that William Byron's getting, whether you're Corey LaJoy or you're Josh Balicki. Yep. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah. Now, if you want to talk about, well, hey, we don't know if certain drivers are going to be with the team, a Chevy team next year, they might move and stuff like that. I'm fine with that, and you can work stuff out. But the team overall, right? You don't be mad if you are losing drivers, right? Especially, you know, a seven-time champion who won those championships in a Chevy. Don't be mad if they go to Toyota when they're not a quote-unquote key partner. That's just all there is to it, right? We see this all the time, right? There, there's, There's no... If there's no loyalty on one side, you cannot expect blind faith and loyalty on the other. It just doesn't work that way, right? It just doesn't work. So if you're at a job, right? This is the thing that, you know, you always hear people talk about this. Well, employers shouldn't be able to do this and, and they should be able to do this. What? When a worker can literally walk right in and say, you know what? Screw you, screw you, screw you. I'm out of here. Kiss my ass. And I've got a new job piece, Right. So it, it's the same thing, whether it's work, racing, sponsorship, key partners, whatever. If you are going to place some teams above other teams, you cannot be mad when those teams who are outside the, the bubble, right, are moving on to different manufacturers. And you can't be mad when your former seven-time champion is going to be driving one of their cars. So yeah. To me, it hits the mark. Good for you, Jimmy. And hopefully you can have some better runs in a Toyota next year than you've had this year in a Chevy because it's been kind of painful to watch. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Next, Martin Truex Jr. put an old-fashioned ass-whooping on the field at Sonoma and has shown to be a legit championship contender after his win this week. Hit or miss the mark. Um, I think it it hits the mark and then it kind of misses the mark at the same time. Um, need to see a little bit more consistency out of Martin as far as the wins category go. Um, I definitely wouldn't count him out. That's for damn sure. Um, Martin Tricks Jr. reminds me of a lot of a Kevin Harvick type. Once, once when they get hot, they get hot, and then there's no slowing them down. And and like I was saying off air is is he peaking at the right time is he peaking too early or is he just making up for lost time as far as the winds go but he's definitely somebody i wouldn't count out coming down the stretch to the playoffs for damn sure yeah i mean you know the the peaking at the right time honestly i don't know um i i honestly don't know um what i will say is that you know He's looked really good this season. Obviously, much better this season than last season. Um, he's got three wins on the year. Two of them points wins. One of them was the Clash, which was an ex- exhibition. But if you look at where he's done well, right? The types of tracks he does he does well at, and the tracks that are in the playoffs. I think 
he could be a real contender for the championship, right? Um, you know, you look at the races that he's done good at. Obviously, he's, you know, he he's always done really well at Sonoma, but he is a pretty good road racer. Uh, the Toyotas seem to do, they just seem to do well on the road courses um, for whatever reason. I don't know if it's their, their drivers or the car. I, I don't know, but they seem to do well at those tracks. Um, you've also got, you know, Darlington, Kansas, Bristol. I mean, those are tracks, that definitely tracks that he can do well at. Um, Talladega, I mean, obviously that's a, might as well just flip a coin. Um, but you know, Homestead of Vegas, you know, those tracks, you know, they're all tracks that he can do well at obviously Phoenix, anything can happen. So I think he's a, he's a legit shot at it is a legit contender at a champion, uh, for the championship. Obviously the, the peaking at the right time aspect that does play a, that does play a part, you know? You want to be firing on all cylinders going into the playoffs and you want to get stronger as the playoffs go on. Um, if you come into the end of the regular season and you're making mistakes and your pit crew screwing up and you're, you're screwing up, um, that's, that's tough to carry that into the playoffs. So yeah, I do think that that can be a factor. Um, you know, if they can just continue running strong the rest of the regular season, I think they could be a legitimate contender for the championship so but only time will tell we'll have to wait and see all right next keith you know whose name we haven't mentioned a whole lot over the last few weeks who's that ross chastain where's he been i i don't know but you know is he still racing yeah he apparently but, you know, ever since his uh, Justin Marks's talk with Ross Chastain, it has seemed to declawed him and slowed him down. Does that hit or miss the mark in your eyes? I definitely think it hits the mark. Because Something's, you... happened. Yeah, <laughs> Something's happened. Yeah, I think Justin needs to sit down and be like, okay, go back to doing what you were doing. Because right now he's not relevant at all. At yeah. all. Before, at least he was relevant. Whether it was for the right or wrong things, who cares? He was being talked about. I'd rather see him being talked about than not being talked about. If, if they're going to classify him as the next Dale Sr., per se, let him go out and do what he does best. Is he aggressive? Yes. Is he too aggressive? Who knows? But I, I just I don't like the idea of a car owner sitting down with a driver and saying, hey, tone it down. Because look, we we see what's happening. He's yeah. damn near non-existent at each racetrack that ever since it's happened, where we're like, he'll be fast, he'll be good, he's got a shot to win here, and he just doesn't even crack the top twenty. Yeah, I mean, he um, what was it? The uh, was it Darlington? I think Darlington was like the last race he was legitimately good at um and then basically since then we haven't really heard or seen much from him um and that was right about the time that justin marks talked to him i don't know if it's him being toned down i don't know if it's their cars haven't had speed i don't know if it's a combination of both i have i have no idea what i do know is he ain't been the same in a month now, you know, and whatever is going on, they need to get it figured out because he is really falling off. I will say their cars have not seemed to be as fast. You know, last year, uh, Suarez won Sonoma. You know, where were the track house guys this last week at Sonoma? Like, where have they been? on a whole, right? They haven't been, they just haven't been fast. They just have not had much speed. And, um, I think you, you couple that with the fact that, you know, Ross Chastain and look, Chastain, I think he got what ninth this last week. Uh, he, he got 10th, finished 10th. 
but he didn't have the speed that he's had. The dude was, he was always a, a, a perennial threat for a top five. And he has not been that many, many weeks. So whatever's slowing him down, I don't know, but they and need to go back good. to doing whatever they were doing before. And he's a pretty good road racer, I would say. I mean, hell, he yeah. won. Uh, granted, yeah. if you want to count it or not, but a, a win's a win. Yeah. Um, tenth for Ross at Sonoma, I would... It's kind of concerning. I pictured top five for Ross at Sonoma. Yeah. Um, at least a top ten last weekend, and this is his first finish inside of the top ten since the incident at Darlington, mm-hmm. which is shocking like charlotte everybody would be like okay yeah he's gonna do really good at charlotte it's a mile and a half he's strong there and he just didn't yeah like 23rd north wilkesboro whether you want to keep it or throw it out the window struggled worldwide technology raced with Corey lejoy majority of that race yeah something is going on either with track house as a whole don't know not sure but if I was Justin Marks, I think I'd sit down and be like, look, you're at like a five. Told you to tone it down. You toned it down. You're at a five. Let, let's go to seven. Yeah. Can we try let's seven or eight? <laughs> let's get back to the front. Let's get back to trying to win races because at this rate, we're getting down to crunch time here as yeah. far as the playoffs go. And I think they'd still make it, but let, let's be comfortable and win some races to solidify our spot in the playoffs yeah definitely definitely so yeah hasn't he has not looked the same hopefully hopefully they can turn it around and he can peak at the right I time mean, i mean granted yeah ross chastain's in fourth but not carrying any type of wins into the playoffs is kind of concerning to me. yes granted yes he made it to the final fourth no wins but i think if if Ross Chastain can grab a win somewhere, it will help that whole team because even Daniel Suarez is not the same. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. None of them are. So, yeah. Definitely. Definitely very different position this t- this season uh, at this point on the schedule than they were last year. So, yeah. So that's going to do it for our hit or miss portion of the show. And we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got our dirt track recap and our NASCAR pick them. So stick around. Today's episode is brought to you by Produxa. Look, you guys, when it comes to protecting and adding a mirror-like shine to your surfaces, you pretty much have two options. You can go with one of those low, you know, quality products out there. Uh, You know, do the old school, like my parents used to do, use the old dish soap to wash your car or you can go with Produxa. You guys, I've personally used this stuff and it works incredible, man. Whether it's their ceramic coating, their wash, their tire shine, and it not only looks great, but it's super easy to use. I mean, my 10-year-old son was helping me use this stuff and we used it on my daughter's car and the car literally looked new. And my daughter's 17, so you can imagine that the car did not look new before we washed it. So if you want to actually give your car a mirror-like shine while in the process protecting it, head over to Produxa.com or the link down in the description below and check out their full line of products today. I can promise you, you will love them. All right, Keith. So before we do our dirt track recap, let's do our NASCAR pick Um, We actually forgot this last week. I forgot this last week. Um, last week was, was absolutely chaotic with the graduation and everything else that was going on. I just spaced it and completely forgot. I forgot too with Indiana midget week going on. Yeah, it, me too. It hit the side table. <laughs> yep. So we didn't make any picks last week. Um, now the week before gateway, I had Corey LaJoy. You had William Byron, obviously you won that week. So we are off this weekend. There's no racing this weekend in the Cup Series, but the podcast will be off next week. So this upcoming week, 
My son's got all-stars in his little league. The schedule is crazy and chaotic. We don't know exactly what it's going to be because it depends on if they win or lose. And there's going to be a lot of really, really late nights and really early mornings for me. So we're not going to have the pod next week. So we're going to be picking for Nashville, Nashville Super Speedway, which is the race, not this weekend, but the following weekend. So who do you have for Nashville Super Speedway? Oh, man. Um... This is tough. I'm going to go with... Chris Busher. Hmm, that's an interesting pick. I like it. Concrete Chris. That's not bad, man. I like that pick. Um, he's definitely had. He's definitely shown speed, man. He's had his moments. Hundred percent. Yeah, and he and he looked good at Sonoma, and it. To me, he's one of the better concrete racers per se. Yeah. Um. I think it's time that RFK breaks into the win column this season. Yeah, they need a win bad. They do. Really bad. So, all right. Well, I'm going to be picking the one Hendrick driver I have not picked yet, and that is Chase Elliott. Um, I They are due to really get this thing turned around. It has been a rough go for Chase. We've talked about it, obviously. His skiing accident right and then his suspension um you know i the nine team just they've been off as a whole and one of the things they have just they have not developed the consistency that you need to develop to be to be up there competing for wins and stuff so i personally think that if they're going to start turning things around they they need to do it fast and i think next week coming off a week off i think is when we might see them do it so i'm going to pick chase elliott um, speaking of turnarounds, I need a massive turnaround if I want to have any shot at catching you because right now I'm getting my ass kicked, but yeah. So you've got Busher. I've got Elliot. We'll see who comes out on top for our NASCAR pick. But let's dive into our dirt track recap because we did wrap up Indiana midget week. Um, unfortunately Kokomo got rained out, but we did have Bloomington. We had Lawrenceburg good racing all week long i i mean it's very rare that midget midget week disappoints right like you'd have to have literally every every one of the races rained out to to disappoint i mean it's they're always good racing so uh logan cv got the overall midget week championship um dude hats off to uh gavin miller He's a rookie. He won Indiana Midget Week's top passer. He passed 35 cars or had 35 passing points. Um, And he's like 16. That's insane. He's a rookie. He's 16 years old, passed 35 cars. And uh, it looks like the next great midget driver is in the series right now. I I have to agree with that. Um, he looked good at Bloomington, mm-hmm. which is I I'm gonna say hands down one of the most intimidating racetracks on the schedule as far as midgets outside of Lawrenceburg Speedway. That place yeah. just in itself is intimidating. Um. Yeah, he looked freaking good. He did. Like it didn't matter really where they where they went and what fire he was thrown to. Like he should mm-hmm. have probably would have won it. Circle City, but we all seen what happened. I mean, yeah. stuff like that will happen eventually. Um, but he didn't let it beat him up or get him down, and he and he looked really freaking good. So so same with Logan Seavey. He's another guy in the midgets that you just can't count out. And it yeah. don't matter what racetrack 
what kind of car he's that good and and another guy that i've kind of been paying attention to jacob denny he's another one within the midget ranks that that is starting to turn some heads i think just on how good he really is he he kicked off the indiana midget week with a win at hobstadt and he was fast everywhere else just couldn't get the oomph to get another win in the uh, win bucket but i think he's another guy you got to kind of keep your eye on yeah i'm with you um i think that there's some there's some incredible drivers coming up i i think the usac midget series is it might be this might be one of the toughest points in the last 5 years i mean there's the competition is so stacked right now. When you look at the drivers in the midget series, right? Just you go down the list and, you know, CV, Grant, Denny, Weidman, you know, Advedesian, Dason Persley, Ryan Timms, McIntosh, Kevin Thomas Jr., right? Thomas Meserol, Emerson, Axel, like, I mean, Ev, Tanner Thorson, right? I mean, you think about just those guys, I mean, you have a legitimate, you know, eight to 10 people that could win on any given night. That's insane. I mean, it's crazy when you think about the talent that's out there. And then you've got this 16 year old kid, Gavin Miller, rookie, right? Six time quarter midget champion, but quarter midgets are not full size midgets. And he's out there, you know, passing the most cars. And like you said, he should have got the win. You know, unfortunate tough breaks happen. And he'll get it. He'll get it soon. I think he'll definitely pop off a win this season. Um, they've got a, a about a month long break before the what is it Mid America Midget Week that gets going July 11th. So hopefully, in that time off, our man Timez can uh, get their motor program figured out because he he just had a rough week. All all yeah, in all, just he, a bad week. He was all aboard on the struggle bus yeah. the whole Indiana midget week, which is very surprising because I feel like Indiana midget week kind of sits in his wheelhouse. So they're his kind of places, elbows up fast, mm-hmm. um, always on the go. And it kind of surprised me and disappointed me at the same time on how bad they struggled yeah. with that Engler Ford engine. Because I think it was Putnamville or Bloomington where they put the TRD engine back in it and they finished in the top five. Yeah. And then it just seemed like they hit a law and then went back down to where they're not used to being. I mean, let's be honest. When you see the 7X show up to any track with their dirt midget, you expect them to be in the top five, if not competing for a win. Yeah. And, and it's got to... It's got to be frustrating to look over your shoulder at your teammate, Justin Grant, sitting second on points and like, damn, what are we doing wrong? What yep. is going on? Because the the Ford Engler engine looked good in the Chili Bowl and, and all the races leading up to it. And it's kind of like ever since they left, I'm going to say Belleville, it just kind of slowly started falling off. And yep. now it's really fell fell off the cliff um the good thing is they got a month to regroup and and figure out if they're going to continue to run the ford or go back to the trd now keep in mind yeah the ford engler engine is it, it's a uh it's a test engine they're trying to bring ford back into the midget stuff but yeah it, couldn't have picked a better person to test it but then again Kind of sucks because we've never seen team as struggle this bad. Yeah, it's tough, man. Um, it's tough. I remember when we were running midgets, and um, back then you had, I mean, there's even to this day, you know, you've got a bunch of different manufacturers, but I remember back then the big motor that you wanted that was like supposedly like the best engine that you could get was the ed pink engines um they had the you could get a ford or a chevy the ford engines were apparently only good for like four or six races or something like that and that was essentially what the top teams used was those 
at pink forwards. Um, and they were incredible. They were absolutely amazing. And uh, we actually had gotten pink engine and it was incredible. And then I remember, um, what was it? A couple years later, my buddy, one of the guys was trying to get their Ford up and going. Um, it wasn't a pink. It was a different manufacturer at the time, but it was an absolute disaster. I mean, almost every single race, there was something wrong. And when you're going through that, it is so frustrating when you think you've got everything figured out and dialed in, and then you get to the track and it's like, there's these just gremlins somewhere hiding in the, the manifold, just screwing shit up, right? Like you don't need, you're, you'll, you, you start it up, you're running it up and down the street, right? And things are, the motor's singing, everything's perfect. And then you get it to the track and you start it off. And the next thing you know, the damn thing don't run. It's backfiring and popping and it's misfiring. You're like, what the hell? Is, what happened? We put it in the hauler and drove it down the highway. What, how is this thing not working? It was a disaster. And it took us weeks, weeks to figure out what was wrong with that motor. And when we finally did, it was, you know, great. I mean, we started popping off wins again. And that's what it looks like Mesrol is going through right now, where they go out, the thing seems fine, and then they go to hot lap it, and all of a sudden, something's wrong with it. And it's so demoralizing. Oh, yeah. Like, speaking on personal stuff, like, when when we had our sprint car, we would fire it off just to get engine heat at the house, mm -hmm. make sure everything's running good and it'd run fine. No oil leaks. Cause that was the biggest thing. If you're not leaking oil, you're good. Yeah. For the most part, as long as you got your timing down and everything else, you, you'll be all right. And then we'd show up to the racetrack. It'd make it through hot laps, make it through a heat race towards the end of the heat race. We would notice that if we took the hood off after the heat race, we'd have oil up on the inside of the hood like all right where's this oil coming from and i bet we fought that like hell for <laughs> shit i bet a month oh yeah and it, was, and it wasn't leaking a lot of oil maybe a quart which is huge in a sprint car um yes. and we finally figured out that the it was getting in between the valve cover and the valve cover gasket so we changed gaskets went to a different type different type of material because we were using corked gaskets on our on our valve covers and then a friend of mine was like "Ooh, go to this type of gasket all right so we did and we still fought the same freaking issue yep and all the way up till i quit racing we fought that issue every yep. night never failed yep and it was always at the same place it was like once when the engine got a certain load on it it would start blowing oil out it it's it's frustrating knowing it's very that, frustrating that okay when's this thing gonna blow apart because at some point we're gonna blow too much oil out of the valve cover and it's not going to be good yep yeah no it's it's horrible man and i remember one of our drivers i remember john talking about that when things were finally starting to go good and you know he popped off a couple wins he had said he was like you know before all this stuff had happened, he goes, I could go out and I would just race. And if I was in the lead, I was just concentrating on what I'm doing on the track. He's like, now I've got this, you know, thought in the back of my head. I, you know, I'm just sitting there hoping my motor's going to make it to the end, right? It's, it plays such a role on your psyche when you can't just get out there and drive. And for someone like Meserol, right? Who is literally just on the loud pedal on the ragged edge. You can't be worried about your, your stuff working, right? You can't be worried about whether or not the motor is going to make it, you know, through a 30 lap feature. You got to be able be able to go out there and just drive. So yeah, it sucks, man. I feel bad because I've been there. Um, 
you know, not, not as a driver, but as a mechanic. And I feel, I feel bad for her, for the guys working on the motor and the car too. Cause that's, that's super frustrating too. Cause you feel like you're letting down your driver. You can't figure it out. Everybody's pissed. Everybody's frustrated. You don't know what's going on. And but, yeah, it's just, it just sucks. It's a bummer. And, and that, and you know, as well as I know, the, the more races you win, the more money you make throughout the season. Yep. And, and last year they ripped off a couple wins. I think they had what three or four last season. And now it's just like, the fuck is going on? Yep. Where are we going wrong? It's almost like you want to take that engine and just say, we're done with it. Like we've seen Aaron Reitzel struggle with the TRD motor, um, Geo Selzy when he was using it. I'm not sure if they're still using it or not. Don't quote me on it. Um, and Donnie shots with the Ford engine yep. and CJ Leary with the Ford engine on the USAC side. It just, when you, when you're testing these new things and these new engines, shit's going to go wrong. And it, it frustrates me more to see them try things during, I would say the biggest week of racing where you really want to show your team off competing against in Keith Coons of the world. Cause let's be honest that that's your measuring stick. On the USAC yeah. side, if you can beat mm-hmm. the Keith Coons of the world, you're good. Yep. And and then the funny thing is, you mentioned Ed Pink. That's who Jacob Denny's engines are made made from. The Red Pink Toyotas. So that that's kind of kind of full circle there. Yeah. Yeah. You know the uh, the the Pink motors. Like I said, they were they were the shit back then. Um, I obviously, I don't know much about them anymore because I'm not following it like I used to, like I used to, but you know, back then when we were racing, you had, Oh my God, excuse me. I keep yawning. I'm four hours of sleep. That's what I'll do to you. But when we were racing, you know, on the, in terms of like the big motor manufacturers, there was really only a few options. You had the you had the S-Slingers, which we all called Rod Slingers, and those things, you know, they, I mean, you think Midget Motors now rev up high. Those things sounded like a freaking, you know, uh, crotch rocket street bike, dude. They're like 15,000 RPMs or something, <laughs> just floating the valves down the straightaway. But you had those, uh, Gertie engines were still pretty popular back then, um, you had a couple of uh, smaller builders like out here on the West Coast. We had RPM. Uh, there was another one I can't remember the name of. And then the big teams, the big dogs, they had they had pink. And back then, uh, Keith Coons. I mean, obviously their team was was awesome. You know, they've been awesome for a long time. But the big team when we were running midgets was the Lewis team, uh, the nine cars. That was, those were the guys that like, when you went to a national midget event, those were the guys you wanted to beat was the nine cars. And, you know, that's where, you know, that was who Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, Casey Kane, Jason Leffler, you know, all those guys had driven for. Um, now you don't see the Lewis cars out there no more. Uh, they haven't been, they haven't been around in a long, long time, but they were the measuring stick um, that we had back then. And they were ridiculously dominant. Um, it's kind of, I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad they're not out there no more. So yeah, tough break for team as good little motor talk there, uh, wrapping up midget week. So congrats to Logan CV and, uh, Gavin Miller on his passing, uh, points. That's incredible to see. He's going to be someone to keep an eye on, uh, moving forward. Now we also had the, uh, world of outlaw sprint cars. They were at Knoxville. Uh, Brian Brown got the win on night number one. David Gravel got the win on night number two. And Carson Macedo had a horrible accident. Um, if you have not seen this wreck, uh, it, it's, uh, it sucks. Macedo was knocked out. Car catches fire. Um, Keith, you put it best when we were talking about this before the show started. It was scary and heartwarming at the same time to see the other drivers get out of their car trying to get him out um heck i think selzy had even caught on fire himself trying to get Macedo out of yeah. the car like yeah so I've seen that. yeah so i mean 
that's it's really cool to see stuff like that you know obviously these guys are competitors and you know but when something like that happens you know nobody wants to see anybody get hurt in a race car so it sucks that um because Macedo got banged up bad uh he did suffer some burns nothing too crazy when you consider being knocked out unconscious in a car that was on fire like that uh i think he's got burns on his wrist and his neck maybe um so not bad now he does have a broken rib which is gonna be tough man they said that he's gonna try to make the next race which is at what is it beaver dam i think it's beaver dam is the next race and uh yeah the jim boyd memorial beaver dam raceway uh this friday and saturday so he's going to try to race it, apparently, and we'll have to see what, what happens with that. That's going to be interesting because you got Beaver Dam this weekend, and then next weekend, you've got the High Bank Nationals at Houston's, and obviously that is a very fast track. Um, so his uh, they're going to want to put some extra padding around him. Um, you got a broken rib before I... Keith, have you ever broken a rib before or even bruised a rib? Have you ever done that before? I've I've bruised a rib, but it it does not feel good. It at is all. <laughs> folks, I there's very few things when it comes to pain um that are hard to describe to somebody if you've never experienced it. Okay. Like when I blew out my knee, okay, it was hard to describe to people what it felt like because until you go through that there's you, there's no reference point for it right when people would ask me how does it feel and i would say my knee feels like it's a noodle right it feels like it's it's not stable i can't stand on it it feels like i've got a piece of pasta hanging from my hip well people can kind of understand the reference but they 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 can't put themselves in that position because until you feel it right you, there's there's no there's no point of reference for it you just have no point of reference okay when um like i've got uh herniated discs in my neck and my back and i've got like some nerve damage okay um at least that's what the the test said a decade ago okay but when i'm having a really bad day and the the nerves in my neck are just on fire and i've got the this burning stabbing pain that goes from my neck down into my hands it's very hard to put that into words and explain that to somebody right like when my wife asks me well what are you feeling and i'm like hey it feels like somebody has put my nerves in gasoline and set it on fire there there's no right? unless you've been on fire right like or unless you've experienced that kind of pain it's very hard to to understand what that feels like Rib pain, rib injuries are horrible. You don't realize how much you breathe until you have a rib injury. I mean, just taking a breath hurts. It hurts. And I'm he's got a broken rib, right? I mean, just a bruised rib hurts like hell. I mean, when you talk about a broken rib and now you're going to go run a sprint car, I mean, when you think about the even is the improvements that they've made with seats and belts and padding and stuff like that, that's still going to hurt. And people think most people think of their ribs and they think of it in your side area. And yes, but your ribs go all the way around your midsection. Like it is a level of pain that it, it's just it's undescribable. I, it really is. It's undescribable until you suffer that type of pain. It's just it's incredible. So the fact that he's going to race with that, uh, dude, if he races and is competitive, I mean, that's incredible. Like Macedo, you need a wheelbarrow to carry your manhood because that's just, yeah, that is insane. I, I, I don't know how he's going to be able to do it, man, but if he does it, dude, hats off. That's incredible. Yeah. I got to agree with that. Like when talking to people that are either a new to racing getting into racing or just talking racing about my fears when being strapped into 
the driver's seat of, of a sprint car or any kind of race car. Catching on fire was always my biggest fear, especially with methanol, because you can't see a burn. Mm-hmm. It's, it's at night. At night, you can see it burn. But even then, uh, methanol fires are the worst because it, it burns 10 times hotter than natural gasoline and diesel fuel and any other type of fuel. Um, it's just, it, it's it's terrifying to think about on top of being unconscious. That's a, that's a whole nother element yes. to it mm-hmm. because then, then you can't get out on your own. Um, I got to give a big tip of the hat to the guys at the racers, the racers yeah. that in and, and helped a brother in need because mm-hmm. most people don't know, unless if you've been in the racing community, I'll just, I'll just put it that way it's a big family. Like once when you get to know guys and you're traveling with them and you're with them more than your own family, yeah. um, it's heartwarming to see the camaraderie between the competitors. You might be competitors on the racetrack, but if something happens, that competitor hat gets taken off yeah. pretty quick. Yep. Um, me personally, I've never caught on fire. Now I've been upside down in my non-wing car and it, be dead silent because of course when cars get upside down the red flag is thrown and then it just you get a a weird sensation of how quiet it is but i was upside down one time on the roll cage couldn't get out because we just upgraded to a new butler belt seat and i wasn't used to it so i couldn't get out as quick as i could before with my old seat yeah and just hearing the fuel dripping out of the injectors oh god headers was terrifying all in itself because I I immediately thought, well, I'm going to catch on fire here. I'm upside down, and I can't really get out like I could before with my smaller seat. It was – I knew it didn't last long, maybe 30 seconds, but 30 seconds when you're upside down and you're thinking about everything but being upside down. That's an eternity. Like an hour. Yes, that is <laughs> an eternity. Like an hour. Mm-hmm. I – that's an eternity. When you're wrecking in a race car or you're trapped like that, and I don't care what it is. It does not matter if you're a NASCAR, an F1 car, a full-size sprint car, an outlaw cart, right? A mini sprint. It does not matter. When you're when you're wrecking like that or when you're trapped like that, it's an eternity. I remember one night my steering went out going into turn one. I was wide open, hit the wall, folded the whole front end of the car up onto my lap, I hit the wall, do like a 360 bouncing off the wall, and I'm boom, I'm just sitting there. And I remember I could hear a car coming. And keep in mind, th- th- these are outlaw carts, right? I mean, we're on a sixth of a mile track, right? They're probably going 50, 55 miles an hour, which is flying when you consider that you're only a couple inches off the ground and you're on a dirt track, right? Rigid suspension. And it seemed like I could hear that car coming for five minutes, right? It seemed like an eternity. It's probably five seconds, but it seemed like forever that I could hear that car coming until that car finally came and hit me, wiped me out. And they didn't even, you know, they're coming out of turn four and I'm already wrecked, but they're not even seeing me because they're battling. You know, this was, it was actually, it was the leader and, second place first and second place they were battling for the lead so they're not paying any attention to me right and the wreck happened so fast by the they're already through the flag stand and now the caution's coming out and boom he's in me like it happened so quick it's bang bang but when you're in it it feels like forever it's like time just stops it's the it's so weird man it's crazy and to be trapped in a car like that on fire Right. I mean, I guess the only thing that would have been it's it's probably a good thing that Masita was knocked out and not going through that, you know, considering the fact that he that he didn't get hurt just because if you are trapped and on fire, that's it's traumatic. I can't even imagine the trauma that would be with that. It's just yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, because like- it was it was terrible to watch. How you're talking about getting blindsided while sitting in a car. That's how my wreck happened initially. Um, We were racing at Lawrenceburg and our Jacob's ladder broke. And 
anybody that knows anything about sprint car racing, when a Jacob ladder breaks, it's a very uncomfortable feeling because your car is now moving in places you don't want it to move. Yes, yeah. Your um, rear end is doing stuff it's not supposed to. Yeah, and then, the and then to ladder. top it off, <laughs> and then to top it off, we're at a high bank three eighths. I'm gonna call Daytona. It's to fast. Sprint car racing yeah, outside it's fast. of Eldora. It's very fast. Come off turn two, and it and it must have broke then after the load was taken off the Jacob's ladder straps. And, and I was like, okay, I might be able to manage this. We got a handful of laps left. I could probably just get out of here with a solid finish and, and be done with it. And the Jacob's ladder said, no, you're not going to make it. I went to set it up to get into turn three and it's the rear end went in a different way than I anticipated spun the car out and I was sitting stopped pointed up the banking of the racetrack and the yellow's already it felt like it's been out forever and you you can kind of hear what's going on around you you can hear cars coming down from an idle and then you just hear a high-pitched noise and it's a car coming off of turn two still full bore still letting it eat and i'm like this is gonna it's gonna freaking hurt <laughs> this is gonna hurt i was already playing it through my head that i'm gonna get hit right here and it's it's just gonna hurt and i just happened to look out of the corner of my eye to the right and here came a, a car just letting it eat didn't even realize the yellow was out and his right rear hit my left rear and that's all she wrote yeah it's it's a horrible feeling when that happens yeah and it's never good yeah it's not so yep so we'll see uh hopefully you know Macedo if he does win, I mean, hope or race, hopefully he can get out there and compete and, and deal with the pain. I mean, when you're racing, you're going to have a lot of adrenaline pumping. Um, you know, hopefully it'll be enough to, to carry him through the race. So we'll have to wait and see, but, but yeah, tough break for him, but good, good racing at Knoxville last here on our dirt track recap. Superman does it once again. Jonathan Davenport gets the win at Eldora late model dream. Um, did you Keith? did you watch the, the final night of the dream? I did. And it was, it was pretty good. And it doesn't surprise me that Davenport won. I mean, when we talk about big money races, you got to include his name into it. Yes, you do. Um, especially at Eldora. Just, yeah. He's just so good, man. The guy is so good. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy just how good the dude is. Um, and you know, when you're talking late model dream, you're talking, you know, obviously big money event. Um, just, and pretty much when he got the lead, what was it? Lap 30, lap 31, somewhere right around there, late twenties, early thirties. I don't remember the exact lap. Um, but he just was gone. Didn't look back, you know, got, got past Pierce for the lead. Uh, Madden actually looked pretty strong. Davenport was able to, you know, stay out front there. And yeah, he brought home the win and not a shocker that he locked down another big money event. No. And I think it puts him in a special category of people. Cause I mean, outside of Davenport, that's won it twice. You look at the names of Scott Bloomquist. Um, I I think Davenport's won it before 2022. Yeah, he won yeah. it in 2015 also. So yeah, be a three-time dream winner is a phenomenal feat in itself. Yeah, yeah. You Especially, look at look at the car count. Mm -hmm. There's 100 plus race cars there. Yeah, which is Insane. really cool to see. You know what I mean? Which is really cool to see. When you consider um, just how expensive late models are, <laughs> you know what I mean? That they're they're uh, people talk about sprint cars. Late models are another beast within to themselves, right? When you start talking about cost, and not only are they expensive, but you look at the what they're doing now and the technology, the way that these guys are starting to think about the the setup and the you know the one of the things that's really cool about the late models that i really like because i geek out on 
this type of stuff when we talk about setups and, and optimizing the car and stuff like that, like I really geek out on it, is you know, late models, they still have some wiggle room on on things when it comes to rules. You know, there's some stuff that they can still play around with and get around and it makes for really interesting uh you know situations in racing and that Davenport and that 49 car man that team they what whenever it's a big money race they have got that thing dialed so yeah hats off to him man he does it again um and yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting to see uh if he can pull off any more big ones uh this year like Definitely last year wouldn't. Wouldn't count him out of the world 100 either. No, <laughs> me neither. Pretty, yeah. I think these 100 lap races just play right into his lap. He seems like he's the best at saving tire than 99.9% of the field. It seems yeah. like, I mean, the only other guy that I would throw up there is Tim McCready. He seems, he seems pretty good at it. I mean, he comes from that big block modified background where you got to mm -hmm. kind of save a little bit of tire to be yep. there at the end. Um, I mean, anytime the 49 shows up, you gotta, gotta not take your eye off of them. Yep. Especially yep. at the big money events. Yeah. The guy won what, a, over a million dollars last year. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Insane. <laughs> so, yep. And, uh, speaking of million dollars, we are literally less than a month away from the Eldora million and the 40th Kings royal so i uh god i can't wait for that july 12th I, through the 15th it's gonna be awesome i'm excited to see the million i am too i am too i'm excited to see who shows up to run in it because i think we're gonna see some names that we've never really seen in wing racing show up for this event i mean when yes. can you show up to a sprint car race for a million dollars yes hardly ever yep yep it's going to be, uh, it's going to be incredible. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Looking forward to the four crown too. I'm, 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 I'm still hope I'm still holding out hope that I'm going to be able to go back there for the four crown and watch it. Um, still trying, still trying to figure all that out. I've already got my seat. So my man, Bruce, you know, the, we, we have a whole group of us from the SSR that are going to be there for, for the four crown. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really hoping I can get back there and, and go to that because that's a it's a bucket list event for me. So but trying to figure out how I'm gonna have the two businesses running while I'm back there for racing and I'm, if yeah. Fingers crossed. So anyways, that'll do it all for our dirt track recap. So before we wrap up this week's show, it is now time for our goat of the week. So Keith. Who is your goat of the week? Oh man, I've I got multiple that I could give it to, but after seeing what happened to Justin Grant attempting to qualify the other night for the opener at Eastern <laughs> Storm, being pushed into the wall and popping the right rear tire and collapsing the fuel cell. I got to give it to him for not getting out of the car <laughs> and beating the ever living hell out of that push truck driver. Because <laughs> if it was me, it probably wouldn't end well for either one of us because I would have had something to say because that is just downright ridiculous. Um, hopefully that push truck driver learn a lesson. Hopefully he's not pushing sprint cars for the rest of the year, because if it was me, he'd be done. He'd be fired on the spot because that just can't happen. I got to give it to Justin for keeping the composure from not beating his ass. <laughs> Good pick. Good Definitely Good thinking outside the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely thinking outside the box. Um, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to give it to my goat of the week is Tristan McKee. Uh, Tristan McKee is the 12 year old that just became the youngest cars tour winner uh, all time. He won a pro late model race up, Cars Tour Pro Late Model Race at Dillon Motor Speedway. 12 years old. He's only two years older than my son. It's when I think of it like that, it's mind blowing to me um, that he's 12 years old out there winning a Cars Tour race. That's just I like it. 
crazy. So yeah, give it to him. That's that's absolutely huge. Uh, the age that these that these kids are are driving at now and competing at is just insane. It's so nuts. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's just crazy. Like my son wants to start racing. He wants to start racing, uh, and he's ten. And if 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 we start him in racing, let's just say I start him this year, which he's not going to start this year. But if I started him this year at ten years old. He's already like four or five years behind the other kids his age. You know what I mean? Like he's that far behind him. It's it's just wild, man. It's wild that these guys are starting so young now. And now you've got a 12-year-old winning a cars tour race. It's just crazy when you think about it. So yeah, Tristan McKee, my goat of the week. Just goes to show us old guys don't have a place in it anymore. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> Absolutely not. We don't. Yeah. I think I'll just stick to the sim racing side. So that's, that's, it's that's like, where I'll do my racing. It's like the young, they keep getting younger yep. and younger and younger, but damn, these young kids are so freaking good. So they are. Good. They are. They're incredible. They're absolutely incredible. So, so yeah, my goat of the week. All right. So that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Uh, thank you very much as always for joining us now really quick. Like I said, we will be off next week, uh, just because, um, this weekend we've got no NASCAR race and we got father's day on Sunday. And then also next week, I've got my son's all stars tournament. And I just don't know what the schedule is going to be. Um, because it, if they, if, depending on if they win or lose is going to depend on what time we're playing, what days we're playing, all that stuff like that. So no pod next week, but we will be back in two weeks. We will be back on the 29th. So Keith, my man, enjoy your weekend and next week off. I know it's will pop do. of the pod, but you got to go back to actual work. So, uh, I mean, that's the unfortunate part. I'm yeah. not looking forward to Sunday night. Yep. But yeah, I'll try to enjoy the weekend. You, yep. you do the same. I will try to. I mean, weekends for me don't matter. I I just I I have no days off anymore. Uh, There's no such thing as a day off. Sunday mornings. You have a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sunday mornings I go spend a couple hours. I go to church with my with my family, and then we sometimes go to breakfast, and that's about the extent of my my day off. So. Other than that, I'm pretty much working the whole time, but that's okay. I love what I do. So, but yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. So thank you guys as always for joining us. Please download, like, share, subscribe, all that other good stuff. Do that for us. And we will be back here in two weeks. So have a good one. Keith, my man, enjoy your weekend. Everyone thank out you there. Too. Yep, I will. Everyone out there, take care.